This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Everybody, welcome to a bonus episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And uh, yeah, man, we're back here with you. We're we're bonusing. We're on the main feed now. How you feeling? This is our first main feed bonus episode. Whoa. Whoa. I feel exactly the same. Do you feel naked? No, I feel fine. <laughs> you feel fully clothed. You're, you're fully clothed. I'm wearing a fucking a, an anorak. <laughs> Already, I'm. I feel insane. Uh, <laughs> no, I feel good. It's weird though. What's weird to me is that you know a couple of weeks ago we started releasing our old episode bonus episodes into the main feed. Yeah, and it's just really interesting to go back to two years ago. And what we were talking about in the bonus, especially the first few bonus episodes, because we didn't have any emails yet. We didn't have any listeners, so we didn't have any <laughs> listener email. When was it that we established that we were the first topless podcast? Do you remember when we said that? We were saying like, oh, we, these are bonus episodes. We can really stretch out. We can just like take our shirts off. I don't remember specifically, but I feel it was probably like 10 episodes. Okay, in. so we weren't even topless yet. <laughs> Think about that. We weren't even topless. We were fully clothed. (laughs) We're wearing (laughs) fucking anoraks. (laughs) Multiple anoraks. We were we I was wearing three cardigans. You were wearing 12 anoraks. It was it was days. I swear I just I I dressed like Paddington. We dressed like Paddington Bear the first few. (laughs) We had like hats on and little toggle coats. Dude, it's so it's so crazy because so much has happened between that episode and now. Like, that was yeah. over two years ago, but then a lot of shit happened in two years to where now I I feel like a completely different person. Yeah? Yeah. And, and a, I, I guess I do. At that time, like, the pandemic was still, like, thumping. Mm-hmm. Like, we were, this was, like, pre-vaccine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Remember? And it was definitely... Yeah, it was it was really we were in LA, but we weren't recording together. Like we were in the same city, but not recording in the same place. Yeah. Like we've never recorded yeah. in the same place, but it was just yeah. weirder. It was weirder back then because I'm like, wait, you're like right down the street. Yeah. <laughs> like, why can't we record together? Yeah. And it was uh I don't know, it just felt like I guess it's maybe what I meant by feeling naked. Because I was like, oh, we remember back then, <laughs> completely different world. We were also behind a paywall. So it kind of felt like we were really taking, you know, taking it easy. We were on easy yeah. streets, if you will. Um, but then I remember we talked about, I guess the episode was about like what we were doing in quarantine. Like our, right. what, what, what were things that we uh, wanted or needed for quarantine? And then... Uh, we talked about the last movie that we saw before the pandemic. Right, before lockdown, yeah. And yours was wild. Yes. that. Listen, I talk about this all the time because I'm like, this was truly, like, this was the week before the shutdown. So it was like the first week of March 2020. And yep. I just remember, like I told, like I said in that episode, like, they handed out bubbles. I went to a, a, a rowdy screening of Cats at the Alamo Draft House in downtown LA, and they handed out Bubbles. So people were spitting their spit into bubbles, and those bubbles were were flying above the crowd and ostensibly popping in people's faces. Just COVID bubbles. Just like, hey, get some. Get amongst it. Get you some COVID. And then I remember I I was with April, my friend April Richardson, who had just gotten off of an international flight 
<laughs> and she flew into San Francisco, which that, don't you remember San Francisco was like the first co like had one of the first COVID cases before it made it down to LA. <laughs> yeah, she was a typhoid Mary. Dude, it was like if I didn't catch COVID then, <laughs> you can still get it. Calm down. <laughs> I can still get it. Okay, no, no. You are you are now like I'm. The, you've never had it, so you're like I'm fucking invincible. We're three years into this shit. And that's when it's going to get you. I know. I'm. That, it's when I when I'm slipped and I'm slipping. That's the problem. Is I, that like when people start getting like loosey goosey is when they catch it. I mean, bottom line. I mean, I just got back from Europe too, and I wore a mask the entire time on the plane. Yep. Same. When I was in London, wear wear that mask. I got back from. Um, I was in Jamaica for a few days. Yeah. For it's a four hour flight from New York, and they kept coming around and being like, "You want something to drink?" And I'm like, "No." I'm not taking my mask off for four hours. Are you kidding yeah. me? Well, and I feel like, I mean, look, knock on wood, but I'm just saying, like, for those who were in my position, right, who had had never had COVID and then finally caught COVID, it feels like the international flight was the deciding factor on them finally mm. getting COVID. I, I got it at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you did get it at Dunkin' Donuts. So I went to my fucking theory. London, and then I got it at Dunkin' Donuts. I yeah. am convinced. But I do remember for months after we recorded that first bonus episode, you were, for months, so distraught that Cats might be the last movie you ever see in a theater. Oh, yeah. So, it was such a stain on my record at the time. Like, I just kind of felt like the world is 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 blowing up, and Cats will be the final film of my lifetime. The the movie, which was filled with weird CGI buttholes or something. Now I can't even remember what. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't every movie, though, at heart filled with CGI buttholes, even <laughs> if we can't see them? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we spent our first main feed bonus episode talking about our old bonus episode? <laughs> <laughs> you have to be, you'd have to be a real head to enjoy that one. Is this what you've been paying for this whole time? This is shit. <laughs> They're going to file a class ass action lawsuit on our stupid asses. We're going to be the Camp Lejeune of, we are. This, of this whole podcast. We're just pulling out all the... Look, you got to be... If you're listening to the bonus, we assume that you are an old head when it comes to our pod. Camp Lejeune. Like, fuck it. We're pulling out all the old jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we're like uh, uh i don't know gene kelly on roller skates like go going through our whole like catalog like remember the days remember the hits that's entertainment baby well i do we do actually have a format for our bonus episodes if this is your first time listening to one uh where we read your emails back to you and I feel like we should just jump in. I agree, dude. We're starting off with a banger. Yes. I. Uh, <laughs> we've got a listener out there who has become one of our faves. Always, always sends us the most important emails of our lifetime. <laughs> they make our day. They make our week. Yes. And this title alone, and, and if again, if you're a longtime listener, you will recognize... This person um, who created the alt alternative Oscar categories yes, and sent us many, many other questions that were fantastic. But this one I love. Uh, the subject is Eat It Rex Manning. Ha! And it's from Stephanie, whose family we will infiltrate one day. Oh, and Stephanie says, can I please be on a bonut so all three of us can discuss our mutual disdain for the movie Empire Records? And guess what? I think that's a great fucking idea. <laughs> Just a matter of when. <laughs> Put Just it on the a matter calendar. of when. Let's figure it out and make it happen. Because, like I said, I'm going to adopt Stephanie at some point. So why not just start the paperwork with this with an episode where we all talk about Empire Records? Okay, so before any of y'all get hot about this. Too late. We yeah. lost half of them. Well, yeah, they're like, I'm... This is it. Nope. They're going. They're going to our reviews and just writing. Nope. Nope. <laughs> um. 
this is a generational thing. This because yeah. most people that I know who are younger than me love Empire Records. Absolutely. And I'm just curious as to your opinion as like I want you to to establish the party line for the pod for Stephanie why we don't like Empire Records and why it's generational. I got to carry that weight for all of us. Yes. <laughs> I I will I will agree with you that it is generational. And I do think, again, we won't get too deep into our thoughts here because we definitely should have Stephanie on the pod. Yeah. Um, but I do think that for those of us of a certain age, that age being 40 and up, who where this movie was released at a time when we had like jobs and rent and bills, it's the most annoying representation of what it was like for us to be working in. Because we were working in those jobs when that movie came out. Yeah. Like we were working in record stores and bookstores and not having that experience and it just felt very saccharine. Yeah. And very inappropriate. Anthony Lapagli Anthony Lapagli was the best part of the movie. I agree. I agree. Um and and to I will say I will I will extrapolate. I felt like it, the 90s in particular was a was very sensitive to the commercialization of like are seen, if you yes. will, for lack of a better term. Like, authenticity and selling out, I mean, God, it's, it sounds so dumb considering how further along capitalism has come, yeah. but it's also, like, it was, that was truly the thing um, in the 90s was that it was anything that seemed inauthentic and fake and corporate. Like, corporate versions of cool things were so, such, it was such a no-no. And that's kind of how yes. I felt, was that I was like, man, who are these beautiful people pretending to work in this, like, Tower Records-esque record store, which I worked mm -hmm. at Tower Records in Atlanta. None of the people that I worked with were that hot, and they all nope. didn't, like, make out with each other. Like, it was like, it was a job. I guess that's kind of more to your point. Exactly. It was a job. Everybody was fucking stoned and making like five seventy five an hour. Not not even Sam Goody was having that much fun. Yeah. And Sam Goody was low rent compared to the indies and the Tower Records. But yeah, it just felt like it felt insulting because I'm like, wait, why is my job on a movie screen and it's not representative of what my job is? It just felt wrong. Yeah, I I, I got to be honest, though. I, I'm starting to think about what if there was a TV show about a group of film and television programmers and they were all hot and they were all, like, having, like, dalliances with each other. That would be the worst show. That would be the worst show. I would never watch that show. But I would still feel it was inauthentic because I'm like, yo, programmers are not Liv Tyler. <laughs> and uh, Renee Zellweger, They're, like Renee Zellweger, would never work at a Tower Records. She's no. she's too, much too beautiful. And I'm not saying that as a mean girl, by the way. Like I'm just saying that because it's fact. Like I worked at a record store. I am not Liv Tyler. I never saw Liv Tyler in my record store working. Direct correlation. Direct correlation. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was, yeah, it's just not, it's not for us. It's not, it was about us, but it wasn't for us. And I think that's why I can't stand it. Yeah, true. And and so I, hopefully that's not, you know, for anybody who's like getting their underwear in a, in a wad about it. That's just how it feels. For somebody of our age group. Sometimes it'd be like that. Look, there's, I've brought so many movies to the pod that I'm like, this is a different way to look at this film that everyone loves. And some people really don't enjoy, like for some people truly don't enjoy the fact that I refer to high fidelity as a bare minimum romance, but other people are like, you have opened my fucking eyes. And those are the people I'm talking to. Yeah. Man, pe people really didn't like when I trashed three days of the condor, but... <laughs> Home Alone? You will never look at Home Alone the same. Sorry. But that's how it is sometimes. Movies are part of our lives. Yeah. and But it's... I, I know. And, like, I get it. Like, the last thing people want at this point is for somebody to disagree with them. <laughs> for someone to not completely align with their beliefs and their interests. That's the last thing anybody wants. And they will tell you. 
that it's not what they want. So I don't. But look, we're, we try to be gentle about it, but sometimes we're we're just going to give it to you straight. Millie's never seen Titanic. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Although, um, people have written and said, um, "How much would it take for you to watch Titanic? Could you raise money for charity? Could you do something like along those lines?" I sh- I sure as fuck would do that. Like if it was for some yeah. good reason that could benefit something good, I'll. I guess, you know, I'll watch it. Like, I'll definitely watch it. I guess it's more like, would you pay to hear me make fun of it? I don't know. You're like, I'll watch it, but you have to pay me to watch it. <laughs> I already hate it that much that you have to pay me yeah. to watch it. But I, but I do think, Stephanie, I know we talked about Empire Records just now, but we will have you on the pod to discuss something. Anything, yes. really. Stephanie, uh, you're, you got to wait for your paperless post to arrive in the mail it's coming it's coming um but thanks for writing in once again you're our you're one of our faves man like it's um it's always a joy to get a letter from you uh so we've got the second letter and uh for those who are new to the bonus we also do a a thing uh we actually love doing which is that we do fmks um fuck mary kills and we get people to send us their most unhinged ones and they're super fun to uh to parse out and so we got an uh, we got another one from a listener named r and uh i'll read it to you right now it's called fmk magical bitches edition esteemed queens listening to your latest episode i burst out laughing so hard at don't touch your dick january to fight human trafficking that my cat ran out of the room (laughs) i've written before filipino girls unite and that letter where I offered slash threatened to bare-knuckle box the haters. And hearing y'all read my messages really made my day. I could say plenty more, but I'll save that for a handwritten note in your overflowing P.O. box. For now, let's get down to Millie's proverbial brass tacks. Fuck, Mary kill the Magical Bitches edition. Now, <laughs> there's three rounds. I'm going to announce the rounds as we do them. So Okay. Okay. Um, all right, so we got round one, ethereal bitches. Fuck, Mary kill, Stevie Nicks, Enya, and Lorena McKennett. Danielle. Okay. All right, I'm going to fuck Stevie Nicks because I want all the stories of everyone else she's fucked. <laughs> like the post-coital convo is going to be like, tell me what it was like to actually have to see... Lindsay Buckingham's dick. Wait a second. Is that... that... I'm doing it for the stories. I'm fucking her for the stories. But is it common practice that when you sleep with someone, after you sleep with them, they tell you everybody that they've slept with? No, I'm just doing that for Stevie Nicks. You just want to ask. Okay, It's the reason to fuck Stevie Nicks is to get the stories. I'm just saying that usually people aren't like, well, there's you just now, and then there's like 57 <laughs> other people. <laughs> I want those stories. I'd be like, look, now that we're close and you feel safe with me, I want to know what it was like to see the dicks of all your bandmates. I just feel like it's um that te- that technique is kind of unproductive for people who want to try to sleep with people because they just want, they don't want to tell you that you're a one-night stand amongst 56 other people or whatever. I'm assuming I'm a one-night stand. I'm assuming I'm a one-night stand. We've had the combo. (laughs) We've gone on the date. We've had all the date shit. We fucked. And then I'm like, all right, tell me these stories. It's the only reason. Tell me if Don Henley snorted coke off of your boobs. (laughs) (laughs) While you were recording Leather and Lace. Tell me everything about Mick Fleetwood's, uh, like, Jodiper pants on Rumors. Ah. Did he have those custom made? Was it part of a bigger suit? I just want the stories. I'm fucking for the stories. I'm marrying Enya because I will be living in that castle with those cats. Hell yeah. You know I'm marrying Enya because I will never have to see Enya. Yeah. She'll be in that fucking Orinoco studio doing her thing. (laughs) And I'll be hanging out with the cats and doing my thing. <laughs> yes, the least possible amount of interaction with your 
uh, partner as possible. That's always the goal. That's always the goal. How much will you be out of my face? Enya, <laughs> I might see her once a year. <laughs> and then Lorena McKenna, I'm just going to kill. I, yeah. I just got no use. I just got no use for Lorena McKenna. <laughs> She's got to go. In a lesser round, she might have made the fuck, but because she's up there with Stevie Nicks and Enya, she got to go. Well, <laughs> I will, I will, I will tell you this much. I will fuck Lorena McKennett. <gasps> what? Yep. Look, redhead. You know, you know, you know the rumors about the redheads. <laughs> like one word, redhead. <laughs> I mean, is that a rumor? Yes. That I mean, I do I subscribe to those rumors? No. But I'm just saying, if we're if if we're gonna go off of uh of real fucking annoying stereotypical information about redheads, <laughs> then yes, I will I will have sex with Lorena McKennett. Mary, I think you know who it would be Enya, of course. Of course. That's your number one homie. She's a nester. I would spend my entire life with her. We would have an extremely chilled out relationship. That's all you need. You you need like a really solid partner who's not going to like freak you out. I bet there's a lot of orzo salads in your future. (laughs) Orzo flow. We're going to have an orzo flow every night. (laughs) She cooks with pine nuts. (laughs) So I guess that means I'm killing Stevie Nicks. And wow. I know. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of guff about this, but I feel like Stevie has probably been dead at least four or five times in her life <laughs> based on her hard living. So, like, she wouldn't mind dying. <laughs> She'd be like, I've been there. <laughs> Not, you know, been there. So, I don't know. I, I hate to do it, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like she would be the most adept at being killed. I don't know. It's, does that make sense? I, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, this okay. is we're, we're within the boundaries of the fuck, Mary kill universe. And in, and those boundaries, you don't all often get to make the decision that you would, that you think you would make because you're pushed into a very limited field. So in the, yeah. li- and that's what makes a good fuck, Mary kill. So in the Absolutely. limited field, sometimes you have to kill people that you normally wouldn't kill for reasons that are, you don't, you don't even think you're going to get to. Yeah. I killed Michael J. Fox in one of our rounds. <laughs> I had a couple sleepless nights about it, but you know what? Like, it had to be done. It had to be done. Then, those are the rules. So, um, okay, so let's go on to this round two. This is going to be a barn burner, okay? <laughs> round two is spooky bitches. So we've got Fuck, Mary Kill, Wednesday Adams, Lydia Dietz, and Nancy Downs. See, this mm. is... Already a tough one for me because these are all children. <laughs> yes. So I'm already so, in, a, in an impossible position here. But having said that, yes, I am going to fuck Nancy Downs because mm. as per usual with most of these FMKs, I'm, I'm a fucking run on this one. Like I'm not yes. staying around to get haunted. I'm not staying around to get fucking dragged into some, some witchcraft shit. I'm just going to Fucking run on that one. Absolutely. I'm going to marry Lydia Dietz because her parents have property. Yes. <laughs> You'd be married in the money, baby. They got property and original art. They're New York gallerists. Like, I'm marrying into that family. Because even if Lydia is all sad and, like, communicating with a bog demon half of the time, mm-hmm. I'll be like, I'll be in our Connecticut house because your parents are definitely dead now. It's yes. been... Quite a few years. Yes. So I will marry into that family for the property. And that means I'm killing Wednesday Adams. Yeah. And I'm killing every iteration of Wednesday Adams. I was going to say. Not just the current Netflix Wednesday. Yeah. I'm killing all the Wednesdays because if you don't kill Wednesday Adams, she going to kill you. Uh-huh. Yep. So that, that's where I'm coming down on this one. Well, let me just say right now. We got the same list. We got the same list. Oh, yeah. That rarely happens. I love it. I love it. Right right down the line. Definitely, the F is for Nancy. I think we we definitely know that. Just the jewelry alone suggests that she would be amazing (laughs) in bed. 
Lydia Dietz is definitely a marryable, uh, spooky bitch. Like, life partner. Like you said, her mom's probably got, like, a Guggenheim, mm-hmm. some kind of, you know, um, I-, I don't know, wing of the museum or something. I don't know. We could, like, go and do things there. Like, be, like, real patron of the arts. And I'm killing Wednesday Adams because, I mean, especially in this new Netflix version, man, she got that mouth. And that <laughs> mouth runs. She's just, like, insulting you all the time. She's talking back. She doesn't listen. And I'm just like, well, what kind of, what is that going to be like? Oh, God. <laughs> That's what I, I'm laughing to, about is that as much as I always want to marry the person I'm never going to see, you are <laughs> always killing the person who's got that mouth. <laughs> Whoever's talking shit. It's like Freddy Krueger. Same same scenario. I'm like, you guys are just like in my face all the time, like pointing out every flaw I ever have. Like, who needs the who needs that grief? No, Freddy Krueger, Chucky, Wednesday Adams. You gotta go. You got that mouth. <laughs> what did I say? Did I say that Chucky was a um an edge lord? <laughs> an edge lord. Wednesday Adams seems a bit like a edge lord as well. So yeah, the edge lord's got to go. And I'm sorry, because Wednesday Adams seems to be the youngest out of these three. We will kill children on this show. Let it not be, <laughs> let it be known right now. This is your first bonus. FMK is no limit soldiers. We will kill children in an we FMK have, round. We have done it before and we will do it again. <laughs> um, oh, last round. Last round. Wow. This is this is great. So round three. Last round of the Magical Bitches edition of FMK. Black Magic Bitches. Mm. Fuck, Mary Kill, Vampira, Elvira, and Morticia. All right. I am going to fuck Morticia. I've just killed her child, so it's the least <laughs> I could do. <laughs> She's a grieving mother. <laughs> Perfect time to slide in there. Some some peaches fuck the pain away moments. I've just killed your your child. Let's bone. I feel like she'd be the sexiest. I'm going going Morticia. Sure. I'm going to marry Elvira. Mm. Because she's funny. She's really funny. Yes. And the actress who plays Elvira is like a total hippie at heart. Yes. Like, she lives in Oregon now with her girlfriend, and, like, yes. I read, some, like, she's always kind of, like, no plastic in your house, and, like, she's, like, my my kind of person. So I could Hell live with yeah. Elvira for sure. For sure could make that work. And again, she's out in the garden. I'm off doing something else. Yeah. Sure. Elvira doesn't, doesn't need me. And the, pers- the persona of Elvira is just funny and reminds me of my childhood and was just so weird and wild. Oh, yes, of course. And I'm killing vampire because I vampire because I just you know casualty of the game, baby. <laughs> so here's where I'm gonna go. I mean, this is right off the dome. Okay, I am going to fuck vampire. Okay, and the reason why is because a she's super duper hot. B, she was friends with James Dean and that maybe mm. in some weird wrinkle in the universe that that means that maybe the three of us could maybe, you know, have a little fun some night. Wait, how are you taking this to some, like, ghostly apparition threesome? That's not FMK! I'm how are you gonna saying, add James if, Dean to Vampira? If, if, they're, if the rules are off, and and we've done this before where we've had to retroactively kill people who are already dead. Remember, we've done this before. <laughs> like, I could jump back in time to a vampire, like a 50s vampire, where she was friends with James Dean and hanging out with that whole crew. Gotcha. And that maybe the three of us could maybe have a little thing, if that makes sense. Well, if we're time traveling, that changes the game for the other two rounds for me, too. <laughs> I just... Assumed we were time traveling. (laughs) Why why are we just bringing this up now? We've done this like 15, 20 times. I'm 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 allowing it. I'm just saying. I I have to remember that that is part of the game, that we can time travel. You married the blob. I think anything (laughs) is possible. Really. (laughs) Really. Um... (laughs) 
So, okay, we're going to check the ruling on that. We're going to have to do, you know, pull pull the referees together to look at the instant replay <laughs> on the ability to time travel. I'm so, just saying, time travel, I'm fine with the time travel. I'm... I did not know that we could time travel to a land where we could drag someone else into the F and start having threesomes and being in throuples and shit. Like, if you're F and Vampira just because of her proximity to James Dean, then you're really fucking James Dean. No, it's an a- it's additive. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, okay. Listen, if she wants to be a one woman at a time kind of gal, I'm very fine with that. I'm just saying, like... If things got a little naughty and that were an opportunity, right. I would I would love it. I would love, I would actively pursue that if that was what she would want. Because <laughs> <laughs> we we already know that James Dean was a freak. Yes. He was a real low-down yes. freak. I mean, it, I, I I doubt James Dean even liked women at all. So that would it would t- it would be like a hard sell for him to listen. I'm just saying, in a universe of my own creation, that is what would happen: a threesome with Vampira and James Dean. All right, I'm okay. just saying from now on, if we're able to drag people in through time travel, the FMK round is going to get fucking wild for me. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to learn oh, some shit about me. I've opened I've opened Pandora's box. Okay, you opened the portal. Well, and then the other, like, the other two are basically the same as yours. I would definitely marry Elvira, okay? Like, mm-hmm. we we know Vampira is in it for the long haul, and she is such a, a wonderful character, funny, smart, sexy, the whole package. And you got to have that in your life every day, as far as I'm concerned. Right. We got to kill Morticia for me, because that's, that's the thing, is that I'm like, she seems a little... Um, a little aloof. You're just wiping out the whole Adams family. <laughs> First, I'm coming for your child. Then I'm coming for your mom. And then I'm going to kill your fucking dad in that goddamn hand. And then I'm coming for that ball of hair. I'm going to get all y'all. <laughs> it's like, give, give that family some peace, I guess. I don't know. Just kill, like Morticia, <laughs> you got to go. It seems like she would enjoy being dead. To be honest. That's a real point, yeah. Yes. So, I kind of feel that way with Wednesday Adams too. Right. So, that's, there you go. That Those are my answers. Those are Danielle's answers. Are you knocked it out of the park. Thank Absolutely. you so much for that. So We just, fun. we learned so much. Like, I just learned that you would wipe out an entire matriarchal lineage <laughs> in two <laughs> rounds of FMK. <laughs> and I do love it. I do love it. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> I hate Here's you. Here's our last question, our last email. Um, the okay. subject is epic movies. And this is a letter from Kay. And Kay says, Dear movie best friends, you guys are great. Let me get to it. Perfect. Perfect opening. Um, what is your favorite epic movie? What was your first introduction to epic movies? My realization of an epic was The Last Emperor. Age of Innocence comes in second. For a small-town girl renting videos and watching them on a 1980s boxy big-screen TV, that's when I fell in love with epics. Thank you for all the laughs and joy you bring to me. Kay. I love this question. Yes. Um, I think it's... Because epics for me span time. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of a, you know, I had a very Sundays with Granddad kind of movie experience in my youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched a lot of sweeping dramas. But I think my first introduction to an epic movie that felt like it was made just for me was Amadeus. Ah, yes. yes. That was like my first time feeling like, oh my goodness, this world is so expansive and wild. And it's like nothing I've ever seen before. And Tom Hulse was incredible, and I loved the music, and it just felt very grand and big and spooky, and it had everything. So I'm going to say that was probably one of my first favorite epics that was made just for me, or that felt like it was tailored for me. Um, But I also, and this is really just an age thing, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Going to see Indiana Jones in a theater— or even just watching it at home with friends, or just like like just watching this dude rip through 
the fucking universe and then, well, not universe, the world. Um, and be just like, like, he was a professor and an adventurer. And like, I don't know, it just felt, and he was funny. It just felt kind of cool. Yeah. I had, I had a professor in, in college who admitted to us that she became a professor because she loved Indiana Jones. Yeah. Which I think is very sweet. Yeah. I, honestly, wow. I mean, it's funny because we actually have talked about epics on the podcast before. Like, I, to me, I think there's a lot of avenues you can go down because, okay, if you think about epics in kind of a very basic sense, right? I always think of them as movies that are long. Yeah. You know, and that they span time, just like you said. So basically, it's like an epic film is something I would say in the three-hour range, mm-hmm. bare minimum, maybe like 2.45, but three hours, right? Yep. And a lot of times they're shot in like 70 millimeter or there's some kind of like higher film gauge that people are using mm-hmm. and that, that they're spanning time. Even there's like the course of a life or like a course of like a historic event or something like that. Right. So for me, I mean, there's a lot of like older epics that... Mm-hmm. um I had grown up seeing like Lawrence of Arabia and Out of Africa and stuff like that. I wouldn't call this necessarily a favorite, maybe, but I think one of the most like, I mean, one of the the most famous epics and certainly one that I came to see as an epic after I finally saw it was Gone with the Wind. Oh, see, I've never seen it. Yes. And I mean, listen... I know know that film has a lot of baggage and part of like why I think I told myself that I should see it is because I knew that. And Buzz being from Atlanta, like you can't not know what Gone with the Wind is. And I kept that a secret for a very long time because I was like, oh yeah, I've seen Gone with the Who hasn't? Scarlet, frankly, my dear. Yes. You had like the whole, like the cotillion dress costume. Because don't they do that in Atlanta where they make you reenact Gone with the Wind once a year as a <laughs> they resident? Thank you. They're like, get your fucking dresses out. It's time to get on them damn planes. Yes. The secret is when you move to Atlanta, they make you get your driver's license and then put you in a petticoat. And we're like, that's it. To establish residency in the state of Georgia, you have to wear this fucking petticoat and bonnet. No, that, um, is, that is the DMV test is you have to recite her whole <laughs> monologue. <laughs> you have to hold a potato in your hand and walk. <laughs> or something. But, like, but like, I told myself, like, <laughs> I'm going to watch this movie. And like to that point of it being an epic, it is a spectacle. And I feel like I've talked about this before on, the, on one of our uh, main feed episodes, but just that whole idea of like, you get, you're like, well, I'm going to be here for the next three, four hours. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. have like an intermission and a prologue. And so the, the way that it's designed and the way that it's shot and all of the art direction and all that stuff is very epic. It, it costs like yes. a lot of money and it looks that way. So that to me, I think is an epic. And I will say, I mean, I don't want to go out there and be like, everybody watch Gone with the Wind because like I said, I know it's it's not for everyone. But I feel like if you just want a pure example of something that's just like a spectacle, like a big fucking huge spectacle, right. and maybe you watched Babylon, maybe you watched Elvis or something recently, and you're like, damn, man, I want to see like an old movie that's like that, then I would watch something like Gone with the Wind or Lawrence yeah. of Arabia. Um, but honestly, for me, I love epic westerns. I think those are my favorites. Like, Ooh. you know what movie I loved? and I want to see again so much, is There Will Be Blood. Oh, yeah. I want to watch that again, too. I haven't seen yeah. that in ages. Me, too. And I remember seeing it, I think I saw it, like, twice in the theater, when it was in the mm-hmm. theater. And I was sort of obsessed with it. <laughs> and I was I was just the world that it's in, you know? Um, and so now I'm like, oh, I got to see that again. Like, Yeah, we got to come up with a theme so we can watch it together. Yeah. Yeah, but I I, I I I saw Babylon and I saw Elvis. Like, you know, it's a thing of like, I know that those are being talked about right now because, you know, they're in the in the culture. But it's also like people who have been complaining about like how big the productions are and how long they are. And I'm like, yeah, they've been doing that for a long time. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that these are good. 
<laughs> completely. Completely. But they've been doing it for a long time. There's been three-hour movies in the past, trust me. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's 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 kind of um like like Boz Lerman especially kind of prefers the epic in yeah. his work. And so I think that like Moulin Rouge is a modern example of an what feels to me like an epic. Yeah. Maybe not purely in length of time, but just the the spectacle of it, the time that they're discussing and you know, it just kind of feels more, it just feels like a big movie. Yes. Um, and so I think that there are, there are definitely certain directors who prefer an epic, like right now, and kind of like, you know, Steven Spielberg with the Fablemans and like, you know, just kind of enjoy going back and telling a really full story. Like that yeah. seems to be a, a cornerstone of of modern screenwriting. I I would even go as far to argue that maybe epics are back, like, in a bigger way because of, like, stuff like Avatar. You know, like, all movies are three hours long now. And I think that's why people were complaining about them. Like, oh, my God, all these movies are so fucking long. I can't believe it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's been that way in the past. But also, I feel like now, because in order for things to be released as a film, it, it seems like right now it needs to have that little bit of it needs that little pomp and circumstance, right? Exactly. And yeah. so maybe the only people who are making movies like that are these big directors like James Cameron and Steven Spielberg and Boz Lerman who are ma- who are able to make these like bigger movies because I guess there, there needs to be some kind of reason for people to want to leave the house. Right. And I guess... And sit down for three hours. <laughs> yes. But like, it's more of like, a, it's like event viewing versus... You know, it's kind of the reason how we talk about how there are, like, no 90-minute comedies right. that get made as much as there used to be or whatever because of just the market conditions, I guess. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 to your point, I think that there's maybe maybe something to that. Like, I feel like there, there might be, like, an uptick in epics now for, some, right. for that reason, but... I can see that. And I think even something like Drive My Car is an epic, if you think of it in terms of length of time and storytelling. Yeah. Um, But that also brings up an interesting point for me, which is what is the difference between an epic and a blockbuster? Yeah, I don't... Because Avatar feels like a blockbuster to me. Yeah, I think blockbusters are are financial. Like, I think that those are movies that are meant to make a lot of money and are Mm -hmm. meant to be sold internationally and are like you know, basically trying to do the most. Right. Uh, to make the most amount of money and to appeal to the most amount of people. I think epics are just movies that are, like, big in scope. And, right. and like, like with, with the case of something like Babylon, I mean, I'm sure that Damien Chazelle was like, yes, I want to make a lot of money on this movie about the history of Hollywood. But I, but I also feel like he, he was also making a movie that was very specifically his vision. Right. And his style, and maybe at a certain point said, "Well, I don't care, you know who like who would watch it. I ju- like I just got to make my own art type of yeah. thing. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I got to do. I don't thing. care who I don't care who was watching. Listen up, studios. Give me all your <laughs> fucking money and shut your goddamn traps. I don't care. I gotta make. I gotta be me. We're gonna have Margot Robbie tap dancing in her underwear. This is my art. I don't care who buys it." <laughs> and they're like, um, finger raised. We do. We give you $800 million. <laughs> Can we get a dollar back, please? <laughs> Can I please? Yeah, I love the notion of all these movie studios being like, hi, can I please have a dollar back? Thank you. <laughs> Can thank we you. make maybe $12 today? Uh, Lydia Tarr is really interesting, but can we make some money, please? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, like, look at that. That's an example. I mean, like... Yeah, that's an know. epic. Yeah, kind I of. would say it's it's definitely something that they were not, like... I mean, that's a long movie about, you know, the arc of a character. Mm-hmm. And they were like, <laughs> will it play on, you know... 4,000 screens in America opening weekend or whatever. You know, it's like, probably not. <laughs> well, will this movie about an orchestra conductor, even if it's Kate fucking Blanchett, will this be a hit in Tulsa? Well, can we get the Oklahomans out to see this bitch be a bitch on screen? Parents are bringing all their children 
They're running <laughs> to the movie theater to see a woman give an interview to Adam Gopnik of The New Yorker for like 35, for 40 minutes. 30 minutes. And the opening of that movie, I'm like, they are really going there. And uh, listen, Todd Field is a fucking master. I love him. We've talked about him on this pod before. We're a stan, dude. We Ever Absolutely. since Walking and Talking. Yeah. Like, remember? We, to- we talked about Walking and Talking or like second or third episode. Yeah. We love him. And I love, this to me feels like, like t- the movie Tar to me feels like, not only is it, it's a great movie. I fucking loved it. I've seen it like three times because wow. I got a screener. I got a digital, wow. it's digital screener season, folks. So yeah. as a member of the Writers Guild, I get to watch a lot of movies. Yeah, and, and you get to flex on people who are not in any guilds. Like hell me. yeah. I walk around my town and I'm like, look at you guildless motherfuckers. And they're like, can I just get my gas, please? All you fucking guild people, I swear. My whole life. My whole fucking life. Oh, like, especially when I lived in LA. Hey, guys, I got like every fucking movie that's out right now. You want to come over and watch? And I'm like, yeah, fuck off. Yes, I work in the film business, but I don't get screeners because I suck. And we can't send them around because then then we'll get booted from the guild. Like, I have oh, so yeah. many I have so many friends here that I want to be like, hey, you should watch this and give them the fucking disc. And I'm like, I can't because then I won't get them ever again. Yeah. And we have to, like in order you have to be with me. Too much yeah. shit. Like we're carrying around the fucking Hope Diamond or some shit. <laughs> All the screeners come with a, a set of handcuffs and a briefcase. They're like, oh, you want to watch the fucking Fableman? You want to watch Amsterdam? You better cut off that goddamn arm. Yes. They treat it like that. But I do have a shitload of screeners. Yeah. And a lot of them are digital, which I appreciate. And so I've seen Tar a lot and I love Todd Field. And I think this is kind of like... The length of this movie and the scope of this movie is itself an inside joke for him. I feel like him yeah. being like, I'm going to write this epic story, like this huge story, almost three hour long movie about this one person. I feel like that is a a really funny, funny approach. Listen, I, I, I've loved him ever since I saw him give his mole <laughs> in, a, in a jewelry box to Anne Heche and Walking and Talking. I was like, that's my guy right there. Like, anything for a joke. Absolutely. He is such a delightful weirdo. I just really... And he's a great... He's a great dramatist, but he's also... If you watch his films and you watch his act... The films where he's been an actor in those films, there's always a little vein of the comedic, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. But see, that's that's what I mean, is that I feel like Tar is an epic and not a blockbuster. Right. right? Exactly. But, uh, like... Yeah, I that and I got to be honest with you. That is why if you're going to present me with a three-hour movie, you better have some razzle-dazzle. That's all I'm saying. Because if right. you come at me with like a three-hour movie where it's just people like, I don't know, eating dinner. Actually, I like Jean Dielman, so maybe I'm just <laughs> completely, I'm completely negating what I just said. But in this era, in this era... Yeah. You need a little razzle-dazzle. If anybody is making them, and they're making them all the time, like, it's got to be something. You got to have Kate Blanchett reading a child for fucking filth. <laughs> that, to me, counts as razzle-dazzle in this day and age. I want to see some severe pantsuits, bare minimum. I need that. I need that really understated, like, European-style furniture. I want to see every Berlin apartment with that, like, mood lighting (laughs) that comes from a lamp that looks like an eyeball. (laughs) Give me all... That, to me, is epic. Like, I'm I'm changing the game. Maybe I'm changing the rules of what an epic is. But the length of that movie, the scope of the movie doesn't quite fit the epic for me because it's only about a certain amount of time. But it feels epic because of the journey you're on. So... Yeah. Agreed, agreed. But I, I like this question from Kay because yeah. I, first of all, I do I do think that if you were a child of the 80s, like they had mentioned in the, in their letter, watching epics on those 80s TVs sucked ass. Oh my like, God. Watching like fucking Ben-Hur on like a black and white, you know, four by three, Zenith screen 
And the ratio is like cuts out half of the fucking yes, actors. Yes, yes. There's actually like a really good, um, if, this is nerdy as shit, but if you want to go down the, the rabbit hole of of wondering why things are letterboxed and pillarboxed, TCM has a great example of that on their YouTube channel where they basically explain why things are letterboxed. But, and, and the biggest reason why they were pan and scan is because they were they were making movies that weren't fitting those like shitty ass TVs back in the day. And so mm-hmm. instead of like showing it in the proper aspect ratio, they would just blow it up <laughs> and then follow the action, which is not how the director intended. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. All I'm saying is that watching epics in the 80s was such a pain in the ass. And if Kay loved them, in spite of that, you're a real head. Yeah. Real head, which I love. Completely. So. Uh, great, great, great emails this time, y'all. Thank you so much for writing in. And so, I th- I like, we're going to keep the flavor of the bonus exactly what it is, which yeah. is, we'll talk about whatever we want and read your emails. Yes. And, um, you know, we, like, like we said, uh, you know, when we do bonuses, we tend to, you know, unbutton the pants for damn sure. Like we unbutton the pants. Sometimes we take the tops off, but we're just hanging out. And, you know, if, if that's your vibe, if you want to hear us get loose, bring it, come to the bonus. And, um, if you want to email us for bonus, we will we will read them sometimes if they're entertaining, right? Uh, we're at asawajitapod at gmail.com. And you can find us on our social media, as always, at isawpod on Instagram and Twitter. We also got merch. Go to the I Saw What You Did section of the Exactly Right shop to find our hoodies, our jello kits, etc. I think if people bought out our store, if they bought all of our merch... Then you should watch the Titanic and we'll donate that money. Oh, totally. So let that be a challenge. Buy our merch. If you sell at the store, I'll watch Titanic and we'll donate money. Yeah, we'll donate the proceeds from okay. this point on. Any sales. Okay. But you got to do it in like the next month. But if you do it, if you sell out our store, we will ask exactly right if we can donate the money and then we will make Millie watch Titanic and we will even <laughs> live stream it. Oh my God, we should. We, we can rent, do it. We oh can my god, it. we should rent a theater. We are losing so much money on this idea. I'm like, yeah. we're giving away the proceeds. <laughs> we're renting a theater. We're fucking getting the rights to play Titanic just so that people can watch you watch it. Yeah, we could do that. We could set that up. We could do it at the plaza for damn sure. We can nice. definitely do that. And our bonus apps, you know, you're listening to a brand new bonus app and it's on the main feed and that's how it's going to be from now on. But don't forget, we are releasing slowly our back catalog. Uh, so we have old bonus episodes going up on the main feed every couple of weeks on Wednesdays. So there might be weeks where you have us for three days in a row. A Tuesday episode, an old bonus, and a new bonus. Damn, dude. That's a lot of us. Get ready. It's going to be wonderful. Get ready. We're going to kill all the children <laughs> of the fictional characters you love. Holy shit. Well, Danielle, as always, a fucking pleasure doing this bonus episode with you. So fun. The best. Until next time. Bye, everyone. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Casey O'Brien. Mixed by Edson Choi. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogle. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, and Daniel Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at I Saw Pod, and you can email us at I Saw What You Did Pod at Gmail. Follow I Saw What You Did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase I Saw What You Did merch.